All right. Now, this is a very, very interesting topic and one of my favorite topics. And we definitely been doing this a lot in different formats. You know, we realize that we cannot talk about every single game that we see on Sunday, but it's still a lot worth more to talk about and we just can't fit it in. So what we like to do is just go around the league. Sometimes we talk about our overreactions, non-overreactions, or sometimes just simple. Where was our biggest takeaways from the week prior? And that's exactly what we're going to do right now. Three biggest takeaways after week three in the NFL, in the books. And Zach, I want to start us off from this format. And my first take is I actually have a title. I have a name <laughs> for my first uh, takeaway, and that is Last Man Standing. And the reason why I named it that is because I think we fail to realize in sports that one of the most swept under the rugs thing, you know, from any championship team is availability. I think we don't talk about that enough because it's not the most analytical approach that we take. We want to be, you know, X's and O's guys and say, well, this on paper, you know, they got this and that and schematically this, that, and the third. It's not an analytical way of thinking about things. But sometimes, um, not sometimes, recently, all the time, it comes down to literally who's the last men standing. And, you know, when you talk about the charges, you know, for example, because the NFL, there's a lot of injuries that have transpired since week one all across the league. But right now, teams that stick out to me right now are teams with expectations like the Chargers, who we just talked about. And right now, you're talking about offensive tackle with Shard Slater out for the season. Uh, with torn biceps, Joey Bosa, a significant growing injury. Justin Herbert, the rib injury that continues to linger. J.C. Jackson, ankle, Keenan Allen, hammy. You know, the Chargers on paper was predicted by many to win the division and get to the playoffs. The Buccaneers, my team, Tom Brady, the GOAT, of course, TB12. But right now, we have a lot of injuries going on. Julio Jones, Mike Evans, suspension, um, Chris Godwin, hammy. You know, Leonard Fournette is dealing with hammy, you know, the hammy injury, even though he's playing. We have a lot of injuries. And once again, this is a team that I predicted to go to the Super Bowl. So um, when we talk about sports, we do have to remember that come February, the last man standing, is literally the last man standing. The guys that are going to be healthy in February, January and February. So, yeah, that's my first lap. Yeah, I'll react to that. It's interesting. Like, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I just feel like when I first started watching football, maybe 10, 15 years ago, there weren't as many just major, crazy, possible season-ending injuries that occurred. And when I was thinking about it, it has to just come down to the fact that uh, the players are not practicing as much. There are no more two-a-days. And even in practice, like, you're not really hitting that much, especially before the season starts. Uh, so that, I think, has something to do with it as well. And uh, it is crazy. We have seen that multiple times in the last few years that the team that's the most healthiest in the end is uh, going to get the best results. And uh, that's part of the – I know it's unfortunate, but it's what makes sports so appealing is that sometimes any team could have a shot in any game just because of one major injury or just one thing changes. Now, definitely, Zach. And, um, you know, I guess I'll go with my next one and then finish up and then you could take it. Uh, number two for me, I would say that the Packers 14 to 12 win was an outlier over the Buccaneers for a lot of reasons. And, Claire, I think what we saw in the game is that one team has a new identity and they have a ceiling. And that is the package. They have this new identity of run the football, 
which a lot of people think is going to be good for them long term. And I could definitely see see that side of the spectrum. But I think when we look at this game and the fact that the Buccaneers almost won, this is what the Packers are. It's no fluke. They're not wearing a mask. They're not trying to confuse anybody where all right, we're going to act like we just run a team and then we're just going to be 30, you know, 30 times a game passing a football type team next week. No, this is who they are. This is what their ceiling is going forward. The Buccaneers, their ceiling is a healthy Mike Evans, a healthy Chris Godwin, a healthy Julio Jones. And yes, we know that there's always an if factor. I just talked about injuries and that's why, you know, my takes coincide. But the ceiling and when we talk about ceiling is not actually what's happening now, but it's about what could be the reality in the future. So take that with, you know, its substance that the ceiling that I'm talking about is Mike Evans, Julio and Chris Godwin and the Packers. This is their formula. I think for the Buccaneers, we learned that now we don't have to win the game passing 30, 40 times per game because we've been two and one, just wanting the football every down and um, occasionally throwing the ball to Russell Gage, who, you know, had a good performance in the game, caught the game um, tying touchdown. Excuse me. They wasn't tied, but the game, you know, not at it close to the point where they can make a two point conversion to tie the game. So I think um, when we talk about this game, because I've seen some things on, you know, Instagram, it's not an overreaction that the Packers have a better shot to get to the Super Bowl. No, this is their ceiling. So we know what they are. And cool, what they are can potentially, they could be this way and continue to be this way and win that way. But I'm taking the upside here. And I'm taking the ceiling, the high ceiling. And that is the Buccaneers, a healthy Buccaneers team to go farther and potentially, hopefully, everything comes together, them making the Super Bowl. So that's my second take. Yeah, so I actually have an opinion on the Packers in my takeaways as well. So I'll wait to share a lot of my opinion on this. But I have a Buccaneers question that I wanted to run by you. I'm curious how, uh, what you think of this. And for the most part, I agree. I do think when their receivers get healthy, when their offensive line, which is also super banged up, when they get more time together, more reps, I think that's going to be a unit that improves for them as well. But watching the game, I almost had a feeling that like I know Bruce Arians and Tom Brady's relationship is a little bit strained and I don't know if there would be like anyone in the organization that would be willing to tell Brady this, but I, I just wonder, like we mentioned, you mentioned the load management and that everything the Bucks are doing with that uh, this season uh, to keep their guys hopefully healthy by the time we get to the playoffs. I, I'm just wondering, like, would it almost be best for all parties with all these wide receivers out with the offensive line not to just tell Tom, like, look, man, we know you're old. We know there's a lot of things going on. Uh, would you just want to take a little bit of a break now when we're all super banged up? You watch the game, Lil. I mean, the Bucks offense did not look normal. It did not look the way it normally is. And even at the end of the game on that two-point conversion uh, play, uh, they got to delay a game, like, Tom Brady at quarterback getting a delay a game on a two point conversion with the game on the line. Like when has that ever happened? And I'm just wondering, like, would the best thing for the Buccaneers long-term going forward, maybe the owner or Todd Bowles has to do it, but just say, look, Tom, I know we're struggling right now. We all know our goal is to just get as healthy as we can. By the time we get to the playoffs, you said you're going through a lot of stuff at home in your personal life right now. Like would the best thing for all parties to just give Tom a little bit of a break now and have him come back week nine when everyone's healthy, the wide receivers are back, the offensive line uh, is hopefully better. The more you started going deeper, the more you made sense. Because in the beginning when you said, I'm like, nah, 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 nah. And then you kept going, going, going. I'm like, hmm, 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 hmm. Okay, Zach got a good question on that. 
to answer that question, I think for me, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not because think about it. And I was saying this to myself, right? I always talk about myself when it comes to the NFL um, and just, just freestyling in my brain. You know, I like the idea because right now, Tom Brady, of course, is at the age that we never seen a quarterback play at this high level before. You know, at this age, we have to treat him differently than any other quarterback that we have treated before in the past. We have to give him accommodations to make sure that he's upright come January. So, yeah, I do believe that um, in a scenario where Julio Jones is not ready to come back and Chris Godwin is not ready to come back, then you definitely I'm not saying do it, but you should have those eternal conversations with Brady and run it by him and see what works out. Because I'm not going to lie, I, the year we won the Super Bowl was the year that we went on the road. So I know a lot of people could count on that and say it's the NFL. You know, you want to win every single game. You know, you lose one game. It's like you're losing the season. We play in a, one of the easiest conferences. I'm not worried about the Panthers. I'm not worried about Atlanta at all. I'm not worried about the Saints anymore. I'm not worried about those teams. So if we could just win a division and have to go on the road, I'm not worried about the Packers either in the outside division because they have shown that they are a regular season team anyway. So um, when you talk about how wide open the NFC is, I'm not opposed to us just going on the road like we did when we won the Super Bowl and winning every game that way. Because guess what? With the hurricane and everything, we may not have a home. So, yeah. Yeah, and you, I agree. You would still win the division. Like Tampa Bay is probably going to win 9, 10, 11 games either way. And, uh, yeah, I, I just wonder if that possibility would ever come uh, – in the Buccaneers facility. That's a, it's, it's, a, it's very interesting. Very interesting take that you brought up and question that you brought up to end us off with my three biggest takeaways. Everything coincides talking about injuries and they talk about the Buccaneers. I'm actually going to stay in green Bay from that Buccaneers game. My third takeaway is that Devonte Adams will miss Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes will miss Tyreek Hill. Now let's start off with Adams for me, right? Because the Raiders are on three clear. That's not, new news um Adams ditch Aaron Rodgers to go to Derek Carr and it's funny because no matter what you want to say about the Packers organization and them being cheap the El Cheapos of the world they're actually a greatly ran organization through the years of Brett Favre all the way through the years of Aaron Rodgers and he decided to leave a stable organization to go to us organization that's very unorthodox and very conflicting and very just disorganized they don't draft well you know yeah it definitely fits the city and atmosphere of las vegas he decides to go over there and i'm saying to myself okay cool why was the reason what was the reason again why you went over there and decide to go to the raiders and leave aaron Rodgers? he said that he couldn't stand um and well he couldn't stand to play without aaron Rodgers. you know he didn't want to think about the future and possibility of anybody but Rodgers being his quarterback cool Let's go to that. I want to investigate that take that he had a little bit more because right now, Rodgers is under contract with Green Bay for five more years. The three-year extension does not kick until 2024. Now, I'm not sure if Rodgers plans to play out his contract all full through and through, but if I was a betting man, I'd say he'll play about two more seasons after the season that he's currently in. So that's three seasons that he could have played with Rodgers. Okay, cool. I'm not sure about the contract that the pack is offered Devontae Adams, but I'm pretty sure based on reports, and he even said that it was more lucrative. I'm guessing it was a four to five year deal. Okay, cool. Let's say if it was five years, that means you pass up three years of Aaron Rodgers in his prime MVP, just one back to back, and you can't deal with two years without him. 
and you would rather deal with five years of the Raiders? Yeah, that don't make sense to me. And for him after three games to come out and say he's frustrated with losing, no, dummy, you're the one that chose to lose. So, yeah, I started up there and with Tyreek Hill and Mahomes and why I think that the Chiefs will miss Tyreek Hill. It's not because of the intermediate. Well, excuse me. It is because of the intermediate. It's not because of the downfield that everybody's talking about. It's because of the intermediate work where we all know that he's a guy that you get the ball to him. He'll make it into a 15-yard play. And I remember watching this game against the Colts when they got back the ball with 14 seconds. I couldn't help but reflect back to the Bills game in a divisional round where they threw it to Tyreek Hill and he threw, he took a five-yard out into a big play, 60-yard play. So I do believe they're going to miss him because they haven't looked great. They haven't looked as dominant. And they should be one or two right now. Now, the championship experience is only going to get you but so far. It's going to get you through certain matchups that you're not supposed to win because you've been dominated by the box score, but you still end up winning. But at the same time, it's not going to bail you out come playoff time when those games come down to every little nuance play. So, yeah, those are my – that's my final takeaway that – um. Devontae Adams will miss the Packers and the Chiefs will miss Tyreek Hill. Yeah, so I'll react to the Raiders one first. I think it's interesting. We know the deal with the Raiders, right? They have this crazy season last year straight out of a movie and somehow it ends great. They make the playoffs. They win that epic uh, week 17 or yeah, week 18 game actually against the Chargers. And a lot of people didn't love the hire of Josh McDaniels, obviously a Belichick guy coming in, especially with Rich Bisacci and all the work that he did uh, with this Raiders team last year. But when you look at Devontae Adams now, what, what I'm so interested in is if this Raiders season just falls out of control, which I think at 0-3, it's a good chance it does. They have a huge divisional game this week with the Denver Broncos coming in. They better win that game. If they don't, things could really start uh, getting out of control. But I, I'm just wondering, like, as bad as this start has been for Josh McDaniels, and I know him and Mark Davis after the game had that long 20-minute closed-door meeting, would have loved to know what was said there. But I think if this Raiders season um, doesn't go well, I don't think that Josh McDaniels, as a first-year head coach that they just gave a lot of money to and they committed really the future of the franchise to, like I don't think he's going to be the first guy to go. I think Derek Carr, who signed a pretty team-friendly contract, uh, this past offseason, I think they would have no problem moving him and looking for a new quarterback. As crazy as that sounds, I know actually a few weeks ago I mentioned him as a possible target for the Jets uh, in some world, but I I just wonder if things really start going out of control this year and, and this doesn't work for the Raiders, I think someone is leaving, and I don't think it's going to be Josh McDaniels, and how would Devontae Adams feel about that? Derek Carr was really one of the main reasons why uh, he joined the Raiders to begin with, and we know with the Raiders in Vegas, this is a team with a huge fan base, a team with a brand new stadium that wants to win at all costs. The Raiders have not been a very good team over the last 15, 20 years. And I do wonder with their new GM that didn't draft Derek Carr, obviously, he just got there. Would he be willing to pivot and make a move? I'm not saying if it would be the right or the wrong move, but all I'm saying is I don't know if this season continues going like this with the Raiders at 0-3 if Josh McDaniels would be the guy that that's blamed, I think it would be Derek Carr. I would. Yeah, absolutely. Because, um, you know, Derek Carr has been on this team for longer, Claire, than Josh McDaniels all these years, and they haven't really done anything. And sometimes perceptions from the media, like you said, you said a very interesting point. The media lets you know if you're doing your job well or not. The media has a lot of influence and in perception, not only from, you know, the fandom, 
but also from the ownership and how they view you as a quarterback and how they view you as a winner or loser. So um, I could definitely see that scenario. And like my take said, it's like, okay, you didn't want to play two years or one year without Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, but are you willing to play without um, Derek Carr, potentially? Although you went there to play with him, so you say. 